This Pacho is pleased to bring you Whiskey Westerns on Wednesday, direct from Dodge City, Kansas, featuring rich topics on the legends of the Old West. Whiskey to motivate. Westerns to inspire. Get it. Play it. Drink it. My name is Mike King, and I'd like to welcome you to Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. Brad, uh, you know, part of our show, every week that we do uh, Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday, is uh, to bring a good quality whiskey to uh, the people out there who watch our show. Mm-hmm. And since we're talking about Ham Bell, which he was a rarity in himself, a legend of Dodge City. What do you have to offer us on this occasion for that rarity of such a special man like Ham Bell? Well, and I like the way you worded that, Mike, because so often on on these shows we talk about uh, legends who were in Dodge City. But we're talking about Ham Bell tonight, and he is a legend of Dodge City, right? right? That may be splitting hairs, but I think as we get into this, uh, that'll it'll become a little bit more clear. And as you said, the rare, uh, he was he was some kind of man. And I think that uh, the Hambell deserves one of the finest whiskeys that we can get our hands on. So I went with Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. It's a Buffalo Trace product. Okay. We've, we've done Buffalo Trace on this show before. But it's, it's Buffalo Trace. Same basic mash bill. You kick that up a notch, age it for 10 years, really let that mellow out, get all those wonderful bourbon flavors mixed together. It's just one of the finest whiskeys on the market. And I think he deserves it. That this Eagle Rare is so rare <laughs> that we couldn't even get it locally. You mentioned that. Yeah, it's... And lucky, so, <laughs> luckily enough, I happen to have a bottle on my shelf. Well, uh, and, and thank you for, mm-hmm. for having that bottle. Apparently, uh, it's getting a little hard to find. Yeah, that's what I understand. I was shopped at all the liquor stores here in Dodge City, and they said you have to have a waiting, get on a waiting list, and you might have to wait forever. Mm-hmm. So maybe the next time we do uh, Eagle Rare, if we ever do it again, uh, you know, we might be 100 years old. Well, I, I don't drink this very fast. Okay. So we've, yeah. Well, by next time we do it, I'll try to keep a little bit left in the bottle. Well, I'm sure that the folks just, out just there, you, the folks out there, they're probably pretty excited about what we have to say about Eagle Rare. So why don't you pour us up a little bit? Don't have to. And tell me we'll twice. try it out and see, see exactly why it's called Rare, Eagle Rare. Spilled a little bit there. All right. All right. I like your choice of glasses, by the way. Well, I, I like tasting whiskey out of these kind of glasses because it's they're made for tasting. You've got mm-hmm. the, the flavor there, the wider on the bottom. And then when you go to nose it, hit that aroma, it's not all wafting past your face. It, it focuses. Right. Focuses those aromas. Oh, man, that, that really smells good. That's almost got a an orange... I'm definitely getting orange peel on that. Orange peel, I agree. Certainly the oak and the char, but 
Not a lot individually really stands out. Well, that'll clear your sinuses, but I'm gonna tell you something. That is smooth whiskey. Isn't that just delightful? It is wonderful. You know, it's almost a, a, a gold or a copper. It really just about glows in there, uh -huh. doesn't it? Yeah, it's a beautiful. Mm -hmm. Man. That's what that 10 years in the barrel will do. It really, it, it sands some of those rougher edges off. And So what what proof is this? Do you know? Uh, this is 45. 45. Okay. Don't taste like it, does it? No, it doesn't. You don't get any of that it's alcohol burn. Oh, goodness gracious. That is some good stuff. Mm. Well, would you recommend the Eagle Rare if you could find it? I would recommend that to anybody. <laughs> okay. If you don't like bourbon, that's, that'll turn you on to it, I tell you. I, I agree. That's probably some of the best bourbon I've tasted ever. Mm. Uh, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the legends of Dodge City, but we're going to talk about him, Bell. Mm. He was a young man, uh, post-Civil War, 18 years old. He took Horace Greeley's advice and he went west, young man. Uh, he literally, he went out to grow up with the country. And he, he took the same path that a lot of those old-timers did. Uh, he, he moved west, he got to Pennsylvania for a time, he was... A, uh, a clerk in a jewelry store for a while, and a job that he could get where he made a little bit of money to keep keep moving west. Uh, he got to Kansas, which was, of course, the crossroads for, I mean, if, if you were heading west, you went through Kansas, didn't matter where you were going, right. you, had, you had to come through. Uh, he stopped in Lawrence for a brief time, and then he really made the traditional uh, trip that, for all the, the cattle towns, all those western boom towns that just about everybody hit. So you're talking Abilene, Abilene, Ellsworth, okay. Great Bend, uh, and finally Dodge City. So he was really kind of arriving about the time the cattle trade was coming mm -hmm. into Abilene and then, El and then mm -hmm. moved to Ellsworth and yep. I guess he was moving along with that. He, he followed the money. Okay. Every, every time those, those cattle drives, they started moving a little bit further west, the money went with it, the economics went with it, and he was a young man out to make his fortune. and. He was smart. He went where the money was. Now, the story is that when, he, as he was traveling, he was compelled to change his name. Mm -hmm. uh, so he did. He was Ham Bell when he arrived in Dodge City mm -hmm. or Great Man, but his original name was what? Do you know? Uh, it was Belts. Belts. Uh, B E L Z. Okay. It was uh, more German extraction. A Dutch, perhaps, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but he, as he moved west, he Americanized it. Okay. Uh, as a lot of those folks did. All right. So he, I wonder why. He had the, the fortune that he changed his own name. A lot of times, as, as people went further west, their names got changed for them. Right. And some kind of moniker or something. Right. But he decided he wanted to become Ham Bell. Hamilton Bell. Hamilton Bell. Uh, that's a unique name. Hamilton Bell. Mm -hmm. It's almost patriotic. Work for him. What do you do when he got to Great Bend? Well, he was working by then. Don't know where he picked up the trade exactly, but he was uh, fixing clocks, Good. Uh, cleaning clocks, uh, uh, you know, grandfather clocks, all the, the big elaborate clocks. He, he picked up that skill somewhere. <coughs> and of course, everybody had one. There's, I'm sure he did quite well at it. 
And uh, sort of well in, in great band. And then again, as, as the money kept coming on, he wound up in Dodge City by about 1874, about 20 years old. Did he work, uh, some, some, some say that he, he really had a, a, a drive for law enforcement. Maybe he was a, a deputy sheriff at first. He, when he was in great band, he did. Uh, he did, and I, I think where Bell differs than like your your Bat Mastersons, your Ben Thompsons, uh, people that wore badge because it was a job, a job that they happened to be very good at. Bell's constitution was such that he he was law and order all the way. It was something that he could do that he felt very strongly about, and I, I, he took it more seriously than than just a job. So I truly believe that. A lot of people, you know, when, when you look at the legends of Dodge City, a lot of people they mention uh, famous people like Bat Masterson mm -hmm. or the Wyatt Earps or <coughs> the Ed Mastersons, those kind of people. But not too many people, unless you're in in Dodge City know the fame of Hamilton Bell uh, and, what, and what kinds of contributions he made. Uh, so when he got to Dodge City, what, what kind of things did he do uh, when he first got here? When he got to Dodge, it was, like I said, it was about 1874. Dodge was really just starting to come into its own. Uh, it was it was a legitimate town by this time. You were starting to get past the the vigilante days, the the hell on earth days. But it entrepreneurship was the name of the game. If you had an idea, all you had to do was start it, and and you could make it happen. Uh, he one of the first things he did was set up a livery stable. Okay. Uh, because everybody needs one. Uh, he did just north of the river, and it, it grew quite large over time. Uh, it wound up being about the biggest building in western Kansas at the time, the Elephant Livery Stable. It okay. was, you can even see it in photographs uh, of its later days. The building was just massive. So he got here, opened up a livery stable, and then got married? He did. Uh, he married a Josephine Dugan, okay. I believe was her name. Uh, her father was a farmer, had a road ranch uh, about, oh, just about a mile south of my house, actually. Which is, you've been out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can still see the part of the foundation and the ruts is the, the cattle drives. They went past these so places. That's right along that western trail there. Is that right. where you're talking? Right, right, right off the Great Western Trail. Mm -hmm. Father's ranch was out yeah. there. Wow. Yeah, I can't, I cannot remember his, his name, but yeah, that was Ham's father-in-law. Okay. Lived out there. It was just a, a way stop, a watering hole as the, the cattle drives came further north. One of the last places to stop before they hit the river and, and then Dodge and City. And then into Dodge City. Mm -hmm. So a lot of camps out there, oh, yeah. cattle getting ready to come through. Uh, he's also famous not only for his livery stable, but he, like I said, he was an entrepreneur. He what did, other things did he get himself into? He was one of those guys that did everything that could possibly be done in Dodge City. Uh, livery stable aside, that, that banked his, his other businesses. He, like everybody else, he owned at least a share in a saloon a time or two. Uh, his big idea was he built the Variety Theater. 
that was, at the time, it was a major competitor to uh, Noel Kelly's The Comique, which is probably more famous. The Comique, that's where Eddie Foy played. Of course, was that he, on the north side of the track or on the south side? No, this side? was south. South, this south, was side south of the Because these okay. were theaters, these were dance halls. This is where some of the more risque type entertainment took place that was, shall we say, frowned upon on the north side of the railroad tracks. But you go south, the red light district, you could get away with that. That's where all the theaters were. Uh, if, there was, if there was dancing involved, either vertically or horizontally, it was on the south side of the railroad track. Uh, the, the varieties, he did quite well. Everybody loved ham by this time. Uh, Eddie Foy, and actually Dora Hand, who we've also talked about in the past, uh, gave charity performances at Handbell's Varieties, where they were actually drawing a paycheck from the committee. So there was, it was a respectful rivalry partnership. But one thing that Bell did that really set him apart from the comique is, you've heard of the can-can. Uh, yes, yeah, like a French dance. A didn't French it? dance, uh, yeah. You kind of kick their legs up a little high. Yeah, and well, what a lot of folks don't know uh -huh. is the, the origin of that phrase is, it, it basically means the edge. The, the, the can, the can, okay. you can dance on the edge of the stage, kick their legs up. It's sort of a double entendre. It also means edgy. Okay. Because as they're kicking their legs up, of course, the, the guys sitting in the front row, they get the best seat in the house. It costs you more money to get the front row seat, or you just had to get there early? Uh, you probably just had to get there early. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't a bad seat. Just, you all you got to do is pull somebody out of the way. That's where five start. And, and, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he on Independence Day, 1878, Mr. Bell introduced the can-can to Dodge City. And there was a troop of dancers that were touring the West. He got word of this. He, he got himself a scheduled stop in Dodge City. They came and they were here for uh, well, long enough to make themselves known. So he really was popular then after, once he got that can-can, mm -hmm troop in here and uh, the girls started dancing on the stage and everybody started learning a can-can, a French dance. Mm -hmm. His name probably was pretty special around here. I have never heard a story of even his political rivals over the years, of which everyone, everybody's got them. Right. Nobody's friends with everyone, but I've never, in all the, the reading, research, or just hearing stories about the man growing up, I have never heard anyone speak ill of Handbell. Not a word. Uh, he, he's opened up a livery stable. He's opened up a, a, a dance theater. Mm -hmm. He's brought in the can-can. Uh, but his desires are still with law enforcement, right? He, he was a law and order man. He really was. He was not part of the gang that we've, we've talked about before. Uh, he was definitely the law and order trip. Ed when Ed Masterson was shot, there's a story about that, and Hambell was there when mm -hmm. it occurred. So tell us a little if, bit about what happened there. If the story wasn't intricate and exciting enough, and when I say exciting, that with all due respect to, to Mr. Masterson, who lost his life, when uh, Jack Wagner was was shot, uh, one of the, the folks who, who gunned down Marshall Masterson, uh, Wagner, he actually staggered back. Uh, he was shot once in the chest, twice in the arm, staggered back into the building across the street trying to get in, go get help. 
and he fell into the arms of Ham Bell looking for help, and Bell threw him back out in the street. What made Ham Bell as a legend, and what is his most, what is he most remembered for? Well, he's he's most remembered uh, career-wise as a lawman. Okay. He was he was the badge that took us into the 20th century, uh, and, and partially why he is such a legend again of Dodge is even as as a child growing up in Dodge City, there are still people in town who remember Ham Bell and speak of him very fondly. Uh, it, he's one of the few of the old timers that you can still, in 2019, you can hear firsthand accounts of old Ham Bell from uh, about this man who was there when Ed Masterson was killed. He was there almost from day one. Yeah. So there's there's such that he's the overlap which is what I love about his story and career. He is the overlap between the centuries. Now, there uh, we're, is, we're talking an extra century now. Yeah, and there, there is a story out there that there was there was a TV series um, called Gunsmoke. Oh, Gunsmoke, right. And that his character, Ham, the Ham Bell character, mm -hmm. was really the portrayal of Matt Dillon. Is that correct? I don't know that it's necessarily correct, but as I've always told people, it's not only was it rare for a single lawman to police an entire town for 20 years, as Marshall Dillon did on, on right. the TV, uh, 24 years if you're counting the radio show before, it was, well in that case it was actually illegal. But of all of the lawmen in Dodge City during that time who could have come the closest, it was Hambell. Uh, he did two terms as mayor of Dodge City. He was a county commissioner. He was a deputy United States marshal, uh, as Matt Dillon was. Uh, he was county sheriff. I say he was the sheriff that took us into the 20th century. And he did it all without ever killing a man in the line of duty. Hey, he started his law enforcement career about 1880. Okay, so in the 80s, mm -hmm. uh, it was still kind of a wild and rowdy place. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but what did well, he, he Even Wyatt Earp had said to hell with Doc said he, he left. <laughs> so uh, what did he say about pulling his gun when most people said, no, you never pull a gun. And that's how the, some of those, the, the truth turns into a legend. It's, it is true that he never fired his gun okay. in the line of duty, but over time that that turned in he never actually pulled his gun in the line right. of duty, which Handbell's own words say that is wholeheartedly untrue. Right. He said very himself in an interview in the early 1930s, if he had never pulled his gun, he wouldn't have lived a week. Uh, he knew what everybody else knew it. But by the 1930s, a lot of those folks had forgotten how bad it actually was in the early days. So all you got to do is get your gun out first, which is where when you talk about being like fast with a gun, that really in its origin of terms, it had nothing to do with how fast you pulled your gun from the holster. It was being the first man to do so. 
you were the fastest to the gun, not yeah. necessarily the fastest. The, opponent, yeah. but it, it, in, in a lot of people see, you know, the TV shows or the movies, like a face-off down mm -hmm. front street. And that really wasn't the case back in the West most of the time. I mean, it was really the guy that got the gun out first right. was the guy that really kind of ruled the roost at the time. As long as you got your gun out first, of course, as many people uh, in those days are quoted as saying, one of which is why it hurt, said speed is one thing, accuracy is everything. That's true. And, uh, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and having that meaningful demeanor about you, the nerves mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of thing. Now, he also said that uh, something about the difference between a man and a kid. Mm -hmm. He, and, and that was... Uh, as you again said, back to his demeanor, you can pull your gun, but every time you pull your gun, you're going to have to be ready to use it. Right. It's it's a tool. You don't pull a screwdriver unless you intend on screwing something down. Right. But with his demeanor, by the time he got his gun out, whoever he was facing down knew he was prepared to use it. And that, that is exactly why he never had to. Said a kid will will pull the trigger a lot quicker than a man will, yeah. and he lived and and died in that reputation. Yeah, and so that really is what made his his legend uh, was not only his strong will, his ability for an entrepreneur, his law and order, his contributions to Dodge City. Mm -hmm. uh, Handbell really is a true legend of Dodge City. He really is. Uh, and I, just, I never get tired of talking about it. Right. And the people who knew him never get tired of talking about it. Uh, just a few years ago, I uh, was chatting with a, uh, a cousin of my father's who uh, sadly has passed away now. Uh, old Larry was, he was born in Missouri, uh, grew up in Dodge City, actually in the uh, early or the late 1930s early 1940s before his family moved back to Missouri. And he got a hold of me one day here a few years ago and said he was looking through a history book on old Dodge City and came across photographs of this old man that uh, I mean, he knew, he knew, he knew who this was. This this old man who ran the pet store on Front Street when, when he was a little boy. Right and never put it together that this was Ham Bell, lawman, businessman, legend of old Dodge. Said when he was a little boy, that was just the old man who ran the pet store where all the kids hung out after school. That's, that's, a, that's a legend. Yeah, that is a legend. Uh, is there any place, if, if, you're, if you're a tourist uh, coming to Dodge City, uh, wh where would you go to kind of remember his his presence, his legend. Is there a place, a monument of some sort? Uh, there is. Uh, at the old municipal building, which today is Boot Hill Distillery, up okay. at the top of old Boot Hill Burial Ground. Uh, we, we drove there with right. here before, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, there is a monument there to him, uh, including the, the bell that he had salvaged from the, the old uh, uh, Union Church. Right. That's just about a block from there. And there, there's a monument there to him, and it bears his nickname that he had in his later years, uh, Grand Old Man of the Southwest. And I cannot imagine 
a more respectful, uh, kinder way to be remembered. I agree. Than that, the grand old man of the South. So let's take a toast to the grand old man of the, of the Southwest. Southwest. All right. And that would be Mr. Ham Bell, a legend of Dodge City, probably one of the rarest legends of Dodge City. The rarest and the finest. And the finest of all men and Mr. character, Bell. Mr. Bell. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey and Westerns and on Wednesday. Uh, we enjoy having you with us and uh, Brad and I will bring you another story pretty quickly. Uh, not sure what it's going to be. We don't know what kind of whiskey we'll be drinking, but we sure like for you to join us the next time we have Whiskey and Westerns on Wednesday. Thank you, Brad. We'll see you next time. That's it for now. Remember to check out our Wild West Podcast on iTunes Podcast at wildwestpodcast.buzzsprout.com. If you would like to view the video portion of our show, you can catch us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash wildwestpodcast. Thanks for listening to our podcast. West Podcast, where fact and legend merge. The Wild West Podcast presents the true accounts of individuals who settled in a town built out of hunger for money, regulated by fast guns who walked on both sides of the law, patrolling, investing in, and regulating the brothels, saloons, and gambling houses. These are the stories of the men who made the history of the Old West come alive, bringing with them the birth of legends. Brought to order by a six-gun and laid to rest with their boots on. Join us now as we take you back in history to the legends of the Wild West.